Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I'm still just overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord in this place tonight as we were just singing Jesus Messiah. Lord of all, would you take a moment and just join in with me? Let's just worship the Lord. I just sense his presence in such a special, special way tonight. And I want to take a moment here and just pause and let him do what he wants to do in our hearts. Thank you, Lord. We dare not try to present any word or say anything without acknowledging his presence and welcoming him. He's here right now. Thank you, Lord. Lord, these folks, we didn't, we didn't gather tonight to hear a human being, to hear the words of a man, but we gathered tonight to receive the bread of heaven. <laughs> Feed us, Lord God, till we want no more. How many remember that old song, Feed Me? Feed us, Lord God. We want the bread of heaven. Not just another man's opinion, not another preacher and his charisma, but God, we want you. Give us a word, Lord. Somebody here had a very specific request, and that's why right now Chris Green decreases. Jesus, you increase, because Chris can't give them what they need. Chris can't answer the prayer. So Chris Green decreases, Lord, you increase. Meet the need, Lord, answer the prayer. Fulfill the longing in the spirit and the authority and the nature and the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand tonight. We just bless him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every time I come to this house, it's just been an overwhelming experience for us to be able to come. Hey, my wife, my mother in love, as we call her. I want to, those of you who don't know, this is my wife, Carol. Carol, stand and wave your hand to everybody. <laughs> and uh, when our next anniversary comes up, uh, which will be January 19, uh, what's, what's coming up next, 2016, it will be 35 years. We'll be celebrating 35 years on our next anniversary. And we are praising God for that. <laughs> I got married really young. I was about five years old when I got married. <laughs> and uh, we have, and uh, Carol's mom, I, I, I love my mother, and I, I can't even call her mother-in-law because I don't need the law to make me love her. She's my mother-in-love in the love of the Lord. And I want you just to, just to welcome, it's my mother-in-love, Mary Dennis. <laughs> And uh, she's been with us in, uh, uh, since we first moved here to Harrisburg and came and joined in with us and um, connected with the ministry. And she told us it wasn't just because I'm her son-in-law and this is her daughter, because she said if, if, if the word we hadn't been bringing forth hadn't been real and true, uh, she wouldn't have stayed with us. It, it had to be deeper than blood. <laughs> if we was here with foolishness and all of that crazy stuff that people are preaching on TV these days, believe me, she would not be with us. This is a woman who has a heart after God, longs for the presence of the Lord, longs for the word of God, wants the reality of Jesus in her life. And I'm honored that she raised my wife. <laughs> so I'm really thankful today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, where do I begin? Thank you, guys. Pastor Paul, Ethan, we just, Lord. 
it's an amazing thing what God is doing here. Every time I think about the barn, when I think about this uh, work and what you've been called to do and how you bring in so many different types of people and different styles of ministry. And uh, I want you to understand this is an amazing thing that this could happen here because everybody's not open like that to have so many different styles and ministry types and, you know, black and white and Latino and Africans and men and women and young and old and you guys just still keep receiving us, making us feel welcome, loved, accepted of the beloved, and it means a lot. I want you to know it means a lot. Actually, I'm born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. My wife and I actually lived in Ferguson. So you hear about Ferguson and all that stuff. I'm from that world. And so to go from a place like St. Louis to come to Pennsylvania in South Central Pennsylvania, where the life and the culture and everything is completely different, but to find such love and acceptance to me, I want you to understand it is an amazing thing. And so when I come here, that's why I'm always crying and tearing up because the love of God is unmistakable. The love of God is unmistakable. And when you come among genuine people of God, it means a whole lot. When we first moved here to Harrisburg, most of my encounters were with people in the world. And by that, I mean, we had to get a house and you know, find and all that kind of thing. So you gotta deal with the world when you move into a new area. Uh, the neighbors, the real estate agents, you know, all the folks in the world you got to deal with. And there's lots of hostility and you got to deal with them looking at you strange and talking to you like you're from another planet and all of that. But as soon as we came in amongst the people of God, there's this love and there's this acceptance where they're not looking at you strange. They just look and go, yeah, you're my brother. <laughs> yeah, you're my sister. Anybody ever done that on your job? If someone new comes onto the job and you can tell right away, right. you're one of ours, you're one of yeah. us. <laughs> and that's how we feel every time we come here. We, we just know that we're loved and we're accepted. I wanna to get to the word tonight and we're gonna go from 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, 2 Corinthians 10, verses four through six is what we're going to that's going to be our scripture reference. But before I read that, something that I want to share with you guys to kind of set it up for what I want to talk with you about. We're going to talk about strongholds. For many of us, when you hear the word stronghold, we often think of demonic stronghold. And I want to uh, just go to the word of the Lord and show us what the Bible was actually talking about when it mentioned stronghold in this particular passage, that it wasn't talking about demonic strongholds, but a stronghold that often many of us are dealing with, struggling with in our lives, and we're wondering why it never seems to break. And we're in an era in America, in particular amongst the church in America, where there's lots of people that are going around decreeing and declaring and speaking things forth and saying there's victory. But when people leave the four walls of that building or that church service, nothing changes. And I don't know about you, but I'm really tired of that. <laughs> I'm tired of it even in my own life, where in the moment, of the prayer and the service, everything was up and this is gonna work and things gonna be different and then tomorrow morning, it's right back to the same way it's always been. 
And what about those declarations? What about those decrees? Why didn't anything really happen? Well, I want to offer you tonight um, one explanation, and that is strongholds that we really aren't dealing with. Because Jesus always dealt with the root of a matter. He didn't just simply deal with the matter. He went to the root of it. And we live in an era, in America in particular, where we treat symptoms. In fact, anybody heard the, the commercials that come on, and it will list the, uh, a bunch of symptoms that someone may be suffering from, and then they'll say, here's our medic, here's the drug that we offer. And then the commercial lasts five minutes as they go through all of the list of side effects. Remember, those commercials used to come out a few years ago, and it would be a one-minute commercial. But now the commercials last three minutes and four minutes and five minutes because it takes that long to explain all of the side effects. Not even for the cure, but just to treat your symptoms. And so this little twist that has happened has shaped America's mindset to think that it's okay if we settle for treating symptoms and never really get a cure. It's also twisted us to believe that what they call side effects is okay and acceptable. I, don't, I grew up in the 60s and the 70s and I remember a time when whenever drugs and pharmaceuticals were released upon the public, if, it, if the list of side effects included you could die that means it doesn't work. That's not a side effect. That means this product doesn't work because people can still die from taking it. But we are so twisted in America now that we accept death as a possible circumstance, a possible uh, factor in taking something that's supposed to be helping me. Now, I expect the world to act like that and to be that way, but we can't accept that in the house of God. What do I mean? We can't accept merely see, uh, treating symptoms. People come forth, they say, I, I, I'm having a headache, and so they come up and they get prayer and we decree and declare and bind the headache and they walk away and we haven't dealt with the source, the root. We prayed for the headache. That's a symptom. We didn't ask the critical question. Why is your head hurting? And it's okay. You go, where do you get that from, Pastor Chris? Because Jesus would sometimes ask people, what do you want me to do for you? And why is Jesus asking, can't you see? Can't you see I'm blind? What do you mean, what do you want me to do? Well, Jesus was getting people engaged in a conversation. Why? Because we're getting to the root of this. Because when Jesus brought healing, it was complete and thorough. That's why he could say to the paralytic, remember the story where uh, the, the house was so crowded there were so many people there that they brought this guy four guys brought this one guy who was paralyzed and they had to tear through the roof to get it down get him there and what did Jesus say to the guy he said son your sins are forgiven 
sins are forgiven, I'm paralyzed. What was Jesus doing? Getting to the root. Now the religious people got upset. You don't have the authority to forgive sins. And Jesus, being right on the spot, goes, well, I see y'all trying to check it out. Excuse my 21st century version. Y'all trying to figure out where I get all this from and do I have the right to do this or not? Well, which one is easier for me to say? You're healed or I forgive you? But just so that y'all would know that I have the ability to forgive both sins and to heal. Okay, so I'm pick up your mat and walk. But what did Jesus do first? He dealt with the root. And I believe that in this hour, God wants us as his people to no longer accept the treatment of symptoms. But God, I want to get to the root of it. Anybody ever said that? God, I want, you, I want to get to the root of this. Why do these certain things keep passing down through one generation to another in our family? And we done bound and loosed and decreed and declared, and it's still happening. So what's up? Sorry, that's my St. Louis coming out. <laughs> what's up with this, God? It doesn't change. Uh, my wife and I had a very interesting conversation just a few days ago. Um, she's been reading this book called A More Excellent Way. It's written by a, a Dr. Henry W. Wright. Uh, he's a believer, a Christian. And in his studies and research, he's discovered that 80% of all diseases have a spiritual root. Do you hear me? 80% of all diseases and disorders have a spiritual root. And so since she's been discovering these spiritual roots to diseases and disorders that have been plaguing our family, and for many generations, uh, you know, she's studying this because we want to know. Right. Well, I want to get to the root of stuff. <laughs> uh, and so over the past few years, for instance, in my family, two of my brothers have had heart attacks. My mother had a mild stroke. Years before that, my dad had to go through the uh, bypass uh, surgery, uh, and high cholesterol runs in my family. And so I was working on the computer, and Carol called out to me. She said, you know, because she's studying the book, and suddenly she goes, um, the spiritual root of high cholesterol is, uh, <laughs> is self-bitterness, self-rejection, and self-hatred. And I had to stop. God's man of faith and power leading a group of believers here in, in, in Harrisburg has been battling high cholesterol the last five years. And my wife says, well, according to this brother, you've got self-bitterness and self-rejection and self-hatred. And I had to stop. And I got up from the computer and I went over and sat next to my wife because many times my wife has, in, she's encouraged me the times I would question myself because many of us pastors do that. After we minister, then we're questioning ourselves. We ask our wives, did I do okay? You ask your family member, was that okay? Did I go too long? Was I too loud? <laughs> we do, don't we? And, uh, she'll and she'll tell you the truth. <laughs> um, 
But over the past 11 years, I've really been there how many times I've questioned my leadership ability, my self-worth. Uh, I've told myself that uh, nobody really wants to hear me teach, don't really want to hear me preach, that nobody wants to you know, listen and watch my videos or read the books that I write. Pastor Chris being real transparent with you today because that's what it takes if we're going to get to the root. Here's a, here's a revelation that I've been hit with. Your high cholesterol is connected to how you feel about yourself. So I'm telling you, I'm having a moment. It's just me and my wife, no church members around, no other pastors and friends. No, no, just me and my wife and the word of God. Your high cholesterol is connected to how you feel about yourself. So I sat there facing the reality that that I got to deal with this here and now. It made me think back to, uh, in fact, one of the things I, I hadn't told her, I was, I was starting to have uh, pain in my wrist, in my joints, in my hands, and I hadn't said anything to her about all of that. Uh, and so I could either choose to believe this revelation that was coming to me, or I could uh, respond in pride. Well, you know, I'm really part of the 20% that, you know, these diseases and ailments and things, it, it, it's not a spiritual root. So I had a choice. I could receive this as a revelation, as a answer to prayer, or I could go, well, you know, I'm part of the 20%. It's just hereditary and it's natural. It's because of the way I eat and all of that. And of course, high cholesterol can be related to how you eat and all of that. So, but I could have just put myself totally, it's just dietary because I don't want to really face up to how I really feel about myself and how it's affected my physical body. Anybody say, Lord, I want to get to the root of it. Tonight, if you wanted an answer for God, he has his answer for you tonight. We're getting to the root of it. We're going to deal with the stronghold. I go, you say, well, Pastor Chris, what happened after that? Well, this is what happened after that. The Lord instantly took me back to a memory. Of when I was about 14 or 15 years old, and I used to stand in the mirror. There's this ghetto kid, St. Louis. I used to stand in the mirror, and I would say, I hate you. I hate you. And I made a vow as a teenager that nobody will ever be able to say anything to me worse than what I had already said about myself. Some of you did that same thing when you were a teenager. It becomes your, you know, this is my strength. Nobody can say anything worse than what I've already said. So if I get bullied, if I get picked on, it won't bother me because I've said worse. 40 years later, with high cholesterol and high cholesterol being directly connected with how you feel about yourself, here is God sets up a moment. Yeah. Don't you love how God uses our wives, men? Y'all yes. <laughs> didn't say amen. 
Because <laughs> I had made an inner vow, an inner vow that was affecting me 40 years later. My wife looked at me when I told her about that, and she said, that was a horrible vow. That was horrible. She said, you need to renounce that and repent of that right now. And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I did, right there on the spot, just me and my wife, and I just, Lord, I renounce that. I renounce that safe self-hatred. I renounce that self-bitterness. I renounce self-rejection. And I repent. I turn to you, Lord, forgive me. I've turned to you. And then I, as I was praying, I said, because I could feel my countenance changing. And I started laughing. And I said, I feel my face changing. My wife starts laughing with me. I feel my countenance changing while I'm saying this. I'm getting free right now. And the pain in my joints left immediately. Come on, bless the Lord tonight. So what is it that's keeping you bound or unable to get free uh, from certain strongholds? What's keeping you from successfully, as the Apostle Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians, what's keeping you from successfully coming out of Egypt crossing the wilderness and getting to your land of promise when Paul talked about that as he gave the analogy of God's people crossing through the wilderness he talked about all of the things that got them distracted and detoured along the way sometimes in fact one time the Lord put it to me this way he said what it what happened was I got my people out of Egypt but I was taking them through the wilderness to get Egypt out of them I took them out of slavery, but I had to get the slavery out of them. And many of us, that's the journey you're on right now. God took you out of some incredibly horrible situations, but he's got to get that situation out of you. Even if it's 40 years later, like he did me and says, that decision, I took you out of the ghetto, I took you out of that, that whole world of living that way and how St. Louis is and all the racism and all the violence, but that stuff, 40 years later, still in you. And it's affecting your body. So I could have gone to a, a, a worship service, a healing service, a healing service? Yes, I could have gone to a healing service and walked out unhealed. Why? Because they may have prayed for, I bind high cholesterol and we lose the favor of God and you still ain't got to the root. Because getting to the root would be, I bind the spirit of hatred and bitterness and rejection that you received upon yourself. That's getting to the root. Because so many times, how many of you have done that? You don't have to raise your hand. You've asked for prayer about a particular thing, and you told everybody about your symptoms. And they prayed, what? About the symptoms. 
But I believe God wants us to get to the root and specifically dealing with strongholds. Now, 2 Corinthians 10 chapter, verses 4 through 6. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So he says the weapons or the tools or the instruments that we use in this type of warfare, it's not fleshly, it's not governed by the mere human nature, but it's, it's mighty in God to pull down, and the word pull down means to destroy or to demolish, and here's another one, to dismantle, stronghold, that word is fortress, to dismantle a fortress, to dismantle a castle. Here's another definition for stronghold. It's a, to dismantle a reasoning. To dismantle the, uh, okay, and reasoning comes from this, from, this, from this standpoint. The reasoning that you come to when you're trying to fortify or strengthen your opinion or to defend your view. <laughs> so the weapons, the tools, the instruments that we have, they are mighty in God to dismantle, demolish, and destroy the fortress that I have built based upon my reasonings, my opinions, the views that I have, as in my case, even the view I had of myself. It was a fortress, not a demon, a fortress built by my view of myself. Pastor Chris, are you saying demons don't exist? Oh, no, I'm saying what demons do is they take advantage of the fact that we will hold on to that argument. They love it when we hold on to lies. <laughs> but God sends his word and tells us to cast it down he said casting down all arguments those reasonings you cast them down the cast down had two different ways of, of for us to view that first one was was like this to detach something that's been nailed to you to detach it like no nope, that's not from god <clears throat> no no doesn't belong no I keep using myself as an example because I want you to really be able to relate and understand what I believe God is saying to us. So that self-hatred and those lies, don't nobody want to hear you preach. Because <clears throat> what we've been taught is, well, if I say, well, I don't want to get too high and lifted up in pride, and, and you know God understands that, but he also didn't, he didn't send, he didn't want me to go to extreme of, well, I just hate myself in order to keep myself humble, then 
then I'll go to the other extreme and it'll make itself hatred and reject myself. Don't nobody want to hear my teaching. Don't nobody want to hear my preaching. Well, that's not humility. That's a lie. It's a stronghold. Why? Because while I'm still stuck in how I think of myself, then the enemy's taking advantage of my physical body and healing that should be coming from me and healing that I should be preaching and healing that I should even be speaking and bringing to others, I'm still struggling myself. And I'm just one preacher. Imagine how many more that are like me that are out scattered all over this region and all over this country who are battling with all kinds of things in our bodies because of how we have believed the stuff that the enemy came along and sent that little, that little dart, that little thought. And for many of us, it was the same as with me back when you were a kid. It's not something he waited until I got into the ministry and sent it. He, wor he was working on that back when we were six and seven and eight, nine and 10 years old. And in our teenage years, and some of that stuff we received and we took and you said, yeah, that's right. That, that is me. How many of you even said that? That's, that's me. Yeah, that's me. I remember that back in the days when many, when the whole Zodiac thing was going real strong here in America and everything was, what's your sign? I'm telling on myself now that's back in the seventies and eighties. What's your sign? Everything was, what's your sign? And even believers grabbed a hold of that stuff and start calling themselves an Aries, a Sagittarius, a Virgo. I will never forget when the Holy Spirit stopped me and he said, your sign is the cross. Amen. How many of you need to receive that right now? My sign is the cross. My future and my activities are not determined by the alignment of the stars in the sky. There's only one star that matters. The bright and morning star. Oh, my Lord God, I'm going to start preaching. <laughs> I'm like the wise men. There's only one star I'm following. The one that's going to lead me where? To the Savior. That's the only star we have that's guiding our life. Oh, my Lord. Bless the Lord tonight. Thank you, Lord. So I believe that God is really wanting us to hear tonight. Hear me closely to help us to learn how to cast down the arguments. These arguments and reasonings become the roots, those spiritual roots that can trigger those diseases and disorders. That's why this is so important. And notice I haven't said a word about a demon. And this scripture isn't talking about demons. It's talking about thoughts, arguments, reasonings that we accept that become strongholds, castles, fortresses that even when the word of God comes even when the word of God comes we would rather defend the castle than let the Lord dismantle it he sends his word to dismantle it to demolish it to destroy it but because someone may not have said in the name of Jesus I bind this spirit this demon we didn't think and didn't understand the power of the word of God and what was actually coming to us. That's what's coming to us every day. 
you pick up your word and you start reading, God is dismantling and destroying and demolishing reasonings and thoughts and fortresses that we have built in our lives. Some of that stuff gets passed down from one generation to another. Here's, here's one of those fortresses. Nice guys finish last. God only helps those who help themselves. And so when we hear the word of God, we find ourselves in a struggle between, well, my parents always said, my grandfather always said, great-grandfather always said, and that's been a fortress that's been getting more and more bricks and mortar added to it generation after generation. So by the time it gets to you, you're like, no, because my grandfather said, nice guys finish last. And there is no way in the world I'm going to humble myself. Humble, no, humble means you get walked on. I'm not going to let these people on this job treat me. No, no. See, I did all the attitude and everything, didn't I? Because nice guys finish last. Holy Spirit keeps saying, take the low road. Humble yourself. No, God, because nice guys finish last. You come to church that Sunday and Pastor Paul happens to be preaching about humility. And there's the word trying to dismantle demolish destroy that stronghold and no because nice guys finish last <laughs> the other word other way of looking at casting down besides detaching it is to use force to throw something down to cast it down that means you don't just simply detach it but you go <laughs> violently throw it down I don't want it coming back Amen. this is this is the enemy trying to destroy my life he sends these lies and he sees what'll stick you know cousin you do know that the enemy can't read your mind he can only look at patterns that he's of he's observed in your family generation after generation. So he gets to know our families pretty well. He knows the susceptibility where some families, well, alcoholism is a real, there's a real weakness there. Or there might be a weakness of a, a propensity toward adultery in another family. Another family, it may be their finances. No matter what, they can never seem to break past a certain level one generation after another. And so with those types of things passing down from, like from family to family, there are also certain philosophies and arguments and views that pass down with that. So an adulterous grandfather will always tell the next generation, women are just gold diggers. They just want your money. So the next generation comes along, has no respect for women. Why? Because my daddy always told me. And he raises his son to be the same way. My daddy always told me. So he comes among the people of God, the house of God. And we're talking about husbands, love your wives the way Christ loves the church. <laughs> Gave himself up for her. And this guy goes, 
No. Why? Is it a demon? No, it's an argument. What he's been taught all his life. Bless the Lord. Here's another one. Let's continue with that scripture. Casting down arguments, and then it says, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The high things, you'll be surprised. They said, this is actually talking about uh, bulwarks, elevated structures, <laughs> built it up real high. And you put it up above the knowledge of God. So even when the knowledge of God, and when we say the knowledge of God, we really are basically talking about the understanding of God, the word of God, the things that God calls lawful and, and unlawful. And so you ex we exalt, he said, all that stuff exalting itself that, you know, that's trying to build a structure up higher and stronger against even what God is telling us. Isn't that amazing? And even when it uses that word exalt, that word is really kind of built up in, uh, on exalting based upon pride. Because when it comes down to it, whenever it comes to the word of God, we have to humble ourselves to receive it like a little child. Because there's always something that we've been told that's contrary to the word of God. There's always something that we have experienced that makes it look like this word isn't going to work. What you're telling me is not gonna work. I once was in a meeting with a group of pastors who were, they were talking about, there was a particular uh, project that they were gonna go into all together, and of course it required some finances, and one pastor said, well, we can do this. This is easy. We can just, each one of our churches just contributes a little bit each month, and we could do this easily. Another pastor says, well, I don't know about you guys, but I live in the real world. And in the real world, I can't expect our church congregation to give and to support this. And so while one person looked at it, at the project, and said, we can easily do this. Another person said, the real world is the level at which I could trust the people in my congregation to give. Exalting their experience, because when I look at how they've given in the past, the experience that I have and what I call the real world is not this faith stuff that you're talking about that we can do this. Why am I bringing that up? Because that's some of that stuff that gets exalted and in their pride says, it's not gonna work. Why is this so important? Because inside of each and every one of us, we have to deal with that pride that when the word of God comes, that we humble ourselves like little children and say, God, you know what? You're right. Your word is true. We can do this. I can do this. Oh, like it was with me. Lord, you're, you're right. God, that is how I've been looking at myself. And yes, Lord, thank you for bringing up that memory of something I long forgot about. You're right, God. 
Isn't it amazing how, <laughs> how often we come to that conclusion? You know what, God? You are right. <laughs> we say it as if there was going to be some surprise to God. You know what, God? You, you're right. <laughs> I want to continue with this scripture. Casting down arguments in every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. Isn't it amazing it didn't say demon? Every thought, every mental perception, everything that my mind purposed, everything that I've calculated in my own thinking and I've received through the years and things that have been passed down that everybody's always told me this way and the way I perceive what's real world and, and all of that, then I've got to bring every thought into captivity. That word captivity literally means to lead it away captive. You know how sometimes I was thinking about if you got a, any of you have pets, especially if you've got a dog, and you know, put them on a leash, and the times they don't want to go, and they... And that's how some of our thoughts are. Well, you got to... Come on, you're, you're coming out. Come, uh, that's not of God. How many of you had to say that to yourself? That's not of God. And did you know that every thought that you have, it's not yours. The enemy sends this stuff to see what's going to stick, what's going to stay, what you're going to grab hold to. So you grab that stuff and say, oh, no, I'm not going to grab a hold to it in order to keep it. I'm grabbing it. Why? Because I'm about to lead this thing out, kicking and screaming. This is what my family's always believed. This is what I've always been taught. But no. I'm being real graphic with you tonight, but I want you to see it. Out. That's not me. It's not going to be my family. That's not going to be my life. Bless the Lord. And he said to bring it into to obedience. Bring that captivity into obedience, which is compliance and submission. And he didn't just, not just compliance and submission, but he said, in submission and obedience to Christ. That's the part I love. We're bringing that thought into captivity, into obedience. And it's, and the reason why I'm making a point about this is because there's a lot of things in this world, especially since we live in a pluralistic society now. Pluralism basically meaning there's all these different types of gods and beliefs and philosophies. And in America, we feel each one of them has equal say, equal authority. So that's why you'll find there are people who know they will not argue with you about Jesus. But the stance now is Jesus is just simply one point of view. But Jesus and Buddha and Allah and the New Age beliefs and everything. They're all equal now in America. It's all equal. Some even go so far as to say that it's all the same. So that's why I love this scripture says, no, bring it into obedience, not to pluralism, some God, some believe it's all the same. No, to the anointed one. Amen. To Christ. Christ. 
So this is why it's not always about a demon deliverance service, but it's more about needing to have the pulling down of these strongholds which have come by, and it's going to come by us sitting and receiving the word of God. It comes by us humbling ourselves, receiving the word of God. It comes when I stop lifting up these high barriers in my pride when the word of God comes. It comes by me leading captive these mental perceptions, these points of views that I've held for years. It comes by me taking the time to really study and read the word of God. And that's why we challenge sometimes even the traditional teachings of many churches because uh, even poor interpretation of scripture can be a stronghold. Poor interpretation of scripture can be a stronghold. Um, up in Harrisburg, one of the strongholds that I, that Carol and I encountered with people coming from uh, certain churches and was the belief that, here's how they would put it, God won't put on you more than what you can bear. And you go, Why, what's wrong with that? Because that's not what the scripture says. It says he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able to bear. And this was spoken in the context of 1 Corinthians 10th chapter when Paul was talking about the people of God coming from Egypt, going through the wilderness and going into the land of promise. And he talked about the things that they did. They complained and they grumbled and they moved into sexual immorality and they, had, they really had a hard, hard time following Moses. And then he says in the midst of that, he said, God will not allow you us to be tempted because they were tempted to tempt Christ. They were tempted to go back to Egypt. They were tempted to grumble against God. And he said, and you won't be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he says, he provides a way of escape. Why is Pastor Chris making the distinction? Because we don't get a way out of escape from trials. He was talking about temptation. Then, Pastor Chris, what's the difference between temptations and trials? Temptations come to us in the midst of a trial. In the midst of a trial, all of us are tempted to grumble and complain. In the midst of a trial, all of us are tempted to want to go back to our old ways. In the midst of a trial, just like the children of Israel were. That's what Paul was saying in that, in that passage. Just like they were tempted while they were going through the wilderness, we are tempted to go back and turn back on God and to grumble against our leaders. So he said, no temptation comes up against us except for what's common to man. But with the temptation, God provides a way of escape because he will not allow us to be tempted above what we are able to bear. Because, I don't know about you, I've been through some trials that are unbearable. The loss of a loved one, I cannot bear. I have to have the grace of God to endure a trial. But temptation comes to us, just like James even told us, when there is lust in me. God allows trials to even show us 
There's an enticement that's coming from within me. Did you know that temptation doesn't come from the outside? Not according to the word. He says it's what's inside of us. And God allows trials to what? To show us what's in us. So incorrect interpretation of scripture can be a stronghold. So when somebody stands up and says, that's not what the Bible says, then now we got a choice. Am I going to hold on to what I was always told, that God won't put on you more than what you can bear? Or am I going to listen to what the word of God actually says? He said, temptation won't be more than what I can bear. Now comes the wrestle. Can you feel the wrestle? Okay. That's why we have to be like the Bereans, Acts 17. Go back and check it out for yourself. Read those words for yourself. Because what's going to happen? When you read it for yourself, the Holy Spirit does just what I just talked about just now. He begins to dismantle and to demolish that stronghold of an incorrect interpretation of scripture. Why is this so important? Because there are thousands, if not millions of people who think that the tough time that they're going through right now, that God put it on them. It's totally a work of the enemy, but because they've been told God won't put on you more than what you can bear, they think that what they're going through is something God put on them. The loss of job, the loss of a loved one, God did this to you and he's just testing you out to see how long you can hold on. And unfortunately, many preachers have even taught it this way. God's just putting stuff on you to see if you can hold out and see what the end's going to be. And that's not what his word says. He says he's actually trying to get us. He's trying to get that stuff that was in you out of you so that when you get to the land of promise, you're prepared. You're ready for it. Do you know that the reason why the children of Israel were not ready when they first got to the land of promise, do you know why they weren't ready? Because they wouldn't let God get Egypt out of them. So that's why when they got there the first time, if you know the story, when they got there the first time and Moses sent the spies over, only two could come back with a good report. And 10, all they could see was the giants. And the people believed the evil report. Why? Because they never trusted God. His word says that. They never believed him. They never mixed faith in it. Why? Because they kept yielding to the temptations. You go, why would God bring them out in the wilderness anyway? Why didn't he just simply just have to just skip it? Actually, they could have gone through that in 11 days. It was an 11-day journey. 11 days. It took them 40 years. For an 11-day journey, why? It took 40 years to get the slavery out of them, to get the influence of Egypt out of them. That's what took so long. So it wasn't God putting something on them. God was actually trying to help them. He was trying to get something out of them. Now, why do I keep saying this? Because an incorrect interpretation of Scripture becomes a stronghold. 
That's why there's so many people that are decreeing and declaring things. And that's because somebody was told, because they listened to the television preacher say that you have the right to decree and to declare. And they didn't speak that in the context of the meaning of that scripture. I got to take you there since I mentioned it. I know I did. I said, Pastor Chris, you just stepped out there. Now you got to explain that scripture. I will. In fact, there's a question that came up and in urban life. We have these times where we allow people to ask questions. And so one of the questions that was asked was this. Don't we have the power to decree, declare, and command victory over depression and grief and mental illness and all the things that are in our families? And I responded with this. Uh, I know where you got that from, about the power to decree and declare and command. First of all, in Matthew, the 16th chapter, Jesus said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In Matthew 18, he says, assuredly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, in Matthew 16, this was spoken in the context of a revelation of who Jesus is coming through Peter. Remember Peter, when Jesus asked everybody, who do men say that I am? And Peter answered and said, bless, and Peter, and you are the son of God, you know, you're, you're the Christ or something. And so then Jesus responded to Peter and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against you. And then still talking, Jesus says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The second time Jesus makes this statement is in the context of how to deal with the brother who has sinned. You remember he said you go to that person personally, then he said if they don't listen, then you take a witness. Then he says, if they still don't listen, then you go before the church or the leadership. And if he refuses to repent, then he told them to take a certain code of conduct, a, con a code of conduct. He said, you, uh, you just deal with that person like an infidel, like an unbeliever. So in the context of telling us how to deal with somebody who, was, uh, who has sinned, he says, whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I always believe in taking things into context. What is the context in which Jesus said these things? The first one was in the context of revealing, of saying to Peter, you recognize who I am. My father revealed that to you. And you're gonna have the authority to bind and loose. Then the second one was in the context of how to deal with a brother who has sinned. And he says, and you have the authority to bind and loose. We have taken what Jesus meant in a particular context and we've made it a formula in here in America of how to get rich. I bind poverty. I bind. No, that ain't what he was talking about. I lose riches. I lose money. Money cometh. Money cometh. That, that ain't what he was talking about. And so there are people by the thousands in America who have stepped out and tried to do things
based upon this incorrect interpretation of scripture and it's become a, it was a stronghold. And when it didn't work, they quit coming to church. They threw it all of us. And why didn't it work? It didn't work because it was faulty from the beginning. It was false teaching. And I want to tell you what, and here's, I'm glad you said that. I love this man. Two meanings for false teaching. It means, first of all, it's incorrect, and it also means it's incomplete. So they could be right about one part of it, but if they only give us half of it, that's why we keep getting half the results. We're getting too much incomplete teaching. It's false because it's incomplete. Yes, we have the authority to bind and loose, but I love it when you read this uh, scripture in uh, its interpretation in the Amplified Bible. I like that one because it's, it really opens up the meaning of that scripture. Matthew 16, 19 says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind, that is declare improper and unlawful. See the real meaning? Whatever you declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound. What heaven has already said is unlawful. What's improper. And whatever you lose, declare lawful on earth must be what is already declared lawful. So what we, most of us have been taught is that we can declare and then God's going to agree with us and make it happen. That's not what the scripture means. It means God speaks it first. And then I echo, I say what he says. It happens because all I'm doing is repeating what he says. Heaven loses, I loose. Heaven binds. Now I have the authority to bind. It's not what these preachers have told us. I bind and now God comes along and he's going to bind it because I said so. No. And there have been people that have tried to do it that way and it's not working. And they're leaving churches by the thousands because they think that what we're teaching is, is, a, is a, it's a joke. Because they tried binding and loosing. But they didn't know. You need to go find out what the word of God says first. You bind what the word says has to be bound. You loose what the word of God says is to be loose. It's that way. How many of you just received good word from God already? Come on, just say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Woo. So all this decreeing and declaring must first come from discovering, discovering what God says is lawful. What God says is unlawful in my situation. Always find out what God says first. Even with Abraham, his name was Abram. Had a secret meeting with God. 
God changed his name. God says he would be the father of many nations. Abram didn't come out and just say, I claim and decree and declare that I shall be the father of many nations. No, God told him. And then Abram came and told everybody else what God says. Can you imagine? One day he's calling himself Abram. Next day he says, somebody says, hey, Abram. He says, no, call me Abraham. Abraham, why do I have to call you Abraham? Because that's what God says my name is now. Too many believers going around changing their own names. You wait till God changes your name. Then you tell everybody, this is who God says I am. I don't change my own name. I don't set my own destiny. So that's that new age stuff that's been creeped into the church. We set our own destiny. We declare our own purpose. No. He tells me. He changes my name. Oh, bless the Lord. I've just sensed that right now. Thank you, Lord. Those of you that have received that name change, I say, thank you, Lord, for changing my name. I call myself what you call me. I say who you say I am. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord, our God. Woo. Thank you, Lord. And so now in these final moments, I just want to share this with you. So if I told you that not only high cholesterol has a spiritual root of self-bitterness and self-rejection and self-hatred, and if I told you that also arthritis, coronary artery disease, that's the, you know, that's the thinning and hardening of the arteries, uh, one of the types of diabetes, type 1, hyperthyroidism, hypothyroidism, uh, lupus, Crohn's, uh, and strokes. All of those are connected to people like me who we struggle with how we see ourselves. Self-hatred, self-bitterness, self-rejection. Many times going way back into our childhood. If I told you like me, you got to recognize it, you got to take responsibility for it, you got to renounce it. In fact, you can do it right now while I'm talking. I renounce it. I sense God's presence right now. Just do that. If you were one of those people, you always was putting yourself down, critiquing yourself, real hard on yourself. Just renounce it right now. I don't even need to pray about the sickness because this is the root. Just renounce it right now. Say, God, I repent of that. No, I never should have accepted that thought. No matter how much those kids picked on me, even some of you were with unloving parents and relatives, and you saw yourself the way they told you. They told you were stupid, so you believed you were stupid. They told you you would never learn, so you believed you would never learn. Come on, right now, take responsibility. Lord, I reject that. I denounce it right now. I repent. Thank you, Lord God. I remove it. I detach that root. I come on, just do. You can even do that to yourself. I detach it. Cast that down. Throw it away. It won't be a part of my life any longer. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. If I told you that diseases or, or disorders like asthma, uh, diabetes type 2, those of you who have been suffering with migraines and ulcers, that that has a spiritual root of fear and anxiety and stress. Would you receive this revelation or would you reject it? My wife and I, uh, she has this book and that, that I'm really talking and speaking to you from. The medical community has acknowledged that asthma has nothing to do with what you, with what you breathe. It's nothing to do with dust and pollen and all that stuff. The medical community, that asthma is actually an anxiety disorder. I can say that to you because one of our sons has struggled with asthma. It's, disiet, it's, an, it's an anxiety disorder. It's connected with, what was that dear, with uh, a, fear of, a fear of abandonment, insecurity. Wow. So the next time somebody says, I want you to pray for me about my asthma, I want you to ask them a question. Do you have a fear of being abandoned? Or you really do you struggle with insecurity? Because I know you want me to pray for asthma, but this is the real issue. If that's been things like asthma and migraines, people with migraines are conflicted. They live with internal conflict. There are things that I, uh, you know, uh, it's like I, I, I know that I'm wrong, but I want to hold on to how I live. Or it can be uh, I was treated wrongly, but I don't know how to really handle the way I was treated. I love the person who treated me wrong. So you're conflicted. Ulcers, all of us relate to that. Ulcers obviously comes from anxiety and fear and stress. Come on, just right now, Lord, I receive your word. Thank you, Lord God. Many of us in some way or another has had to deal with fear and anxiety and stress in our lives. Would you just, just repent, Lord? I receive your perfect love. Because what does this word say? Perfect love cast out fear. I don't fear abandonment. You'll never leave me. You'll never leave me. You'll never leave me. You'll never leave me. Nor forsake me. You'll never leave me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So if I told you, here's another one. That if I told you that all cancers with a spiritual root, not all cancers have a spiritual root, but for the ones that do have a spiritual root, it involves some type of bitterness, either against someone or a bitterness about a situation. It involves long-term, lingering, festering damage that leads to death. My wife and I, we were just in St. Louis last week, and we were able to pray for a dear friend of ours who's battling cancer, and, uh, and uh, Carol, because we had just been exposed to this information and this level of, of uh, ministry, because the cancer started in her abdomen, we, and we knew part of her story was that she and her husband had always wanted children and never been able to have children. So Carol asked her, are you dealing with the regret 
of having never had children and she instantly burst into tears and said, it has tormented me for years and I never told anybody. I never told anybody. She said, not even my husband. I never told anybody. That has always tormented me. The regret that we never had children. We watched her countenance, same thing I experienced, change. The realization is that that's what this really is. So we led her in prayers. I prayed about some other things that the Lord revealed to me in the moment because she's an African-American woman. Um, uh, she had been involved in dance and ballet and many opportunities that she should have had were taken away from her. She never got, so our Lord had us to lead her in prayers of forgiveness. Forgive the people who, because of racism, didn't give you opportunities. Choreographers, producers, directors, people who had the, they had the power to, but they didn't. Release them. Let them go. There's a lot of African-Americans suffering. You probably, you, you've heard the, the statistics, a lot of ailments in our people. And I'm telling you, it's directly connected to the inability or the, or, of not choosing to forgive and release and to move on. Right now in this moment, any bitterness, anywhere place where there's unforgiveness against a person or something, a situation you've just been, it's been festering inside of you. It may not be at any particular person, but just might be a, a circumstance. Come on, right now in this moment, let it go. Say, Lord, I give it to you. I give it to you. Lord, forgive me for holding on to this. Let go of those regrets, everybody. Stop looking in the past, the things that could have been, even the things that should have been. Don't stay there. Come on, move on forward. Don't you know that God will make your latter days greater than the former? Don't stay back there. Come on, move on. Don't stay on, I always should have been. I should have been the champion. I should have been, I should have gotten that scholarship. I should have gotten that job. Don't stay there. Come on, move forward. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. Come on, move forward. Nothing that was stolen from you or taken from you, don't let it take out your life. God's, got, God's always got more. God's always got more. Come on, even get rid of that stronghold. That, that, well, it's all, my, all the best days are in the past. All the opportunities are gone. Come on, that's a stronghold. Come on, dismantle it. Dismantle it. And all the best thing in the past. The good old days ain't the best days. Your best days are still ahead of you. Come on, let go. The good old, some of you have some really good old days too. You can't imagine anything better than the good old days. But come on, let it go. God, you've got more. You got more. Yes, Lord. My Lord God. Woo! Bless the Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord God. Bless you, Lord God. Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. I didn't know we'd get into all of this, what you, the direction you sent me, but I thank you, Lord God, for your people and for the openness right here. I just sense your healing all over this room. 
without me calling out one demon <laughs> or even addressing one physical ailment, healing has come in this room. You're going to find that when you get home, stuff that was always, you've always felt in your body, it's going to be gone because you see it now. You see it very clearly. And so, Lord God, we thank you for the healing that has been released in this place. Thank you, Lord. Just simply as we just revealed who you are, as we just simply revealed your word. You ever wonder why uh, the Bible says demons would start crying out while Jesus was teaching? Can't you see it now? Because he's just simply bringing forth the, the truth. He's speaking forth the kingdom. And without casting out anything, they just, ah! Why? Because the person that that demon was operating in, that person sees the truth. And now that thing is detached. I can't stay. That was my fading voice of it going away. <laughs> Come on, thank the Lord right now. Bless the Lord our God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, brother. Now, what would be good if you took paper and pencil and write down some things? I said, what was the spirit I said the other night? Tormenting spirit. Now, if you would write down what's been tormenting you, because a lot of times what is tormenting you is just the evil one and you need to forgive yourself of something that was is keeping you from becoming free and I have a list of them here I could get down here but I feel like I'm supposed to but just take paper and pencil and write it down and saying God I give this to you and ask for forgiveness that you allowed your mind to torment you. Thank you, Jesus. Forgiveness is so much a part of healing. It's so much a part of healing. Not sure what I'm allowed to share and what I'm not allowed to share, but God, you are the master of the universe, and there's no other God like you. You knew us before we were born, and you loved us in the condition we were born in. Now, Jesus, just help each and every one of us, regardless what we have done to our bodies or what we haven't done, we just asked you that we would be able to forgive and repent and say that I want more of you, Jesus. You do your good work and your good pleasure 
in my soul, spirit, and body. In Jesus' name.